0: Last time uh, I spoke, I think, or one of the last times I spoke, I brought along Faith and Hope. This is Faith and Hope. Now, just to make sure that you don't forget that, I actually um, have some name tags for them, which you'll be pleased to know. Sorry if you can't see. They're not so good at sitting up. I think they were at that party at the O'Briens. But um, I assure you there was water in those glasses. I just, just in case anyone's wondering and thinking of of writing a letter of complaint I can assure you you stay there hope faith and hope and we talked about faith and hope last time we learnt that hope and faith work together aren't they cute they've actually got names on their feet I didn't realize you'd see that but you can without faith there is no hope and without hope there is no true faith but hope in and of itself is not the only solution hope is not greater or lesser than faith but faith is where we need to direct our hope. Are you confused? <laughs> faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Hope is good and hope is important and sometimes hope is all we have. Sometimes literally hope is all we have if we're in a, a cancer battle or, or, or things are going you know, a difficult journey for us. Sometimes it feels like Hope is all we have. Maybe you're trying to do homeschooling. Aren't we glad that season's over? And we pray for our Victorian friends who are back in it, really. If we need to shift a shift of thinking from a stance of hope to an action of faith sometimes. Hope is like standing at the start line looking down the track and faith is like taking off and running the race. Hope is a beautiful thing. But sometimes hope can be a cop-out. Oh, I hope it all works out. Oh, I hope it's just enough to get by. I hope I get an invite. But that's just wishful thinking. That's not faith. It's not the kind of hope that God is calling us toward. The hope God draws us toward is a hope that fuels our faith. It gives faith confidence and expression. Don't stand in a passive form of wishful hope, but let your hope ignite you into an action of faith. This is all a recap from last time. Actually, I think last time when I spoke to you, it was just to a few cameras. You were all at home in your pyjamas, if I remember rightly. Yeah, that's right. I didn't wear my pyjamas though, which you'd be pleased about, but I think you were. Faith is as much something that we pursue as it is a gift that is given by God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the belief in the one true God without actually seeing him. Why don't you read Hebrews chapter 11 all over again? It's all there. The existence of faith is measured by action. By faith, Abel offered. By faith, Noah prepared. By faith, Moses led. By faith, Abraham left. What do you need to do? By faith this morning. By faith, we don't sit in our chair and wish things could be better, but fueled by a hope that we have in Jesus, we are compelled to step up and step out, and we are called to action. Now, I asked Dave this week, I said, what are we, what's the theme, what are we preaching on at the moment? Because I know um, Dave uh, always brings a beautiful message, and I know I'm a proud wife, but I'm always... So proud of the fact that David never takes lightly his responsibility to bring the word of God to the church. He never takes it lightly. He spends, yeah, he spends a lot of time just praying and believing and he, he asks God and he seeks God. What is the, where, where's the next step for the church? What do we need to hear? What do you want to tell us God? And at the moment he believes that that's about faith. That we need to start to lift our eyes and lift our face and, and, and be prepared in our hearts for the next stage of our journey. And just going back in that, I love, I was just thinking yesterday that the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. At the beginning of this COVID season, I don't know about you, but we went, well what is this going to look like in three months' time? What is this going to look like in six months' time? I, I saw a pastor online of a massive church in uh, England saying we just don't know what we're going to have at the end of this and he, he was, he was saddened and, and he, was, he was quiet and I thought, wow, you know, what are we going to have? Are people going to, going to keep watching us online? Are, are people going to sort of still gather? I mean, I know it's not all about the gathering and didn't it prove that? didn't that time where we sat at home in our pajamas prove that, you know, the gathering together is fantastic and we missed it and how wonderful it is, but the gates of hell did not prevail against the church. And the church is stronger and the church is moving forward and the church is um, actually going into a a new and exciting and even a more empowered phase because of what the enemy tried to throw at it. It's amazing. But today I want to talk to you not about faith and hope we're going to move on and I think last time when I spoke I said if I'm allowed to speak again I'll talk about love and so I want to talk about love now and I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture that should be fairly familiar to you but I'm starting at the verse before the passage and and going through to the verse after the passage because the people that put the chapters in, I just think they put them in the wrong place. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13 with the verse from the last bit and yeah, you get it? It says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Okay, that should be all I need to read. Now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Chapter 13, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything... I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body. I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I will have gained nothing. It's incredible, isn't it? You've heard them a million times at weddings. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when full understanding comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Well, mostly. There's a few things that sort of linger. I don't know about you. Now we see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror. But when we see everything with perfect clarity, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. And the first verse of chapter 14 says, let love be your highest goal. Wow. Now I don't know about you, but I've heard those verses read out at weddings a gazillion times. And I think times, and I think as good as that is, who doesn't love uh, some scripture read at a wedding? It's fantastic. But as good as that is, I think unfortunately sometimes we relegate those verses to the newlyweds, when in actual fact it's for all of us. The meaning of these verses should not be reserved for newlyweds at the expense of their value to the greater body of believers. This is a chapter from a letter written to a church in Corinth. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, an extensive letter, amazing. I mean, they didn't have emails in those days. They weren't able to hop onto the telephone. They had to write letters. And Paul, um, as a mentor to the Corinthians, uh, wrote this long, extensive letter to the Corinthians. And it's incredible when you think of it. And it's a letter of encouragement, correction and guidance. But it's as relevant today as it was then. It's a letter to every church and intended for every believer, not just the bride and groom. Let love be your highest goal. Yeah. So let's look as we're trying to build our faith and and build our hope and faith and love, let's look at the next part of this journey Now I have another. So I want you to pretend that this box, which I think is a keyboard. (laughs) Sorry about that. Creative team, I hope that's okay. It's nice and secure. Let's let's just imagine for a moment that this box is our foundation. And we're going to pop love on the foundation. Don't fall over, Faith. Thank you. I just saw him sort of tilt slightly and I thought, here we go. Have you ever been to an orchestral concert or show or even one with a band, a high school musical perhaps? Have you ever been in one? I know I spent uh, many times uh, involved in the theatre with my dad. He would take me, hi dad if you're watching. My dad's been watching every week so hi dad wherever you are. And he would take me when I was uh, little to the theatre where he was painting sets for for various shows. It's probably where I got my sense of theatre from. (laughs) And all the instruments are warming up, you know, before the show starts, all the instruments start to warm up and there's this cacophony of sound as each instrument sort of plays its own tune and its own melody. Some are practicing little runs and others are sort of just making sure they're in tune and, you know, their amps on or if it's an orchestral concert, they're they're all just sort of practicing little runs and getting their fingers loosened up and, and it's just a cacophony of sound. And... They're not necessarily even in the same key. It's an interesting um, sound and it's an exciting sound because you know the show's about to begin. And then at some point, uh, especially in an orchestral um, arrangement, someone, uh, usually the lead violinist or sometimes the oboe player, will give a sound. Now, I have bought my old school tuning fork. I went to the Conservatorium of Music before all these Fandougal digital Tuning watsits. I mean, you got it was before mobile phones actually, and um, I'm just showing my age. And what we had to find that note, the the note that they tune to um, is called A440. And this tuning fork. Have we got that microphone? Because I want you to hear it. It's very exciting, very exciting. Nowadays you can just play it on your phone, but let's let's not worry about that because this is far more exciting. Is that you used to um, just tap it and then. Can you hear it? I'll do it again. Perfect A440. And um, everyone would then tune to that one sound. And it was the correct... Do you want to hear it one more time? Just because I've gone to the trouble. That's it. Thank you. (laughs) And everyone in the orchestra would then not tune to one another, not tune to the person next to them, but tune to that one sound, A440. And my first point today is the foundation is love. Have you ever been, I've said that, uh, eventually the conductor asks the first violinist or the oboe player for a perfect A440 and everybody in the orchestra then tunes to that. Very quickly, all the instruments come together in tune and harmony ready for the performance. And I was thinking, love is a little bit like A440. We don't, Emily said it this morning, we don't tune to one another. We tune to a central location, which is love. As the people of God, our ability to come together around the commonality of love is the foundation that makes us all sing in perfect harmony. It is the foundation. But what is love? Is it a list? It's really just God. 1 John 4, 7 to 8 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. You see, love began with God. Verse 8, it says, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love love originated with God he started it and love was God's idea it sounds simple doesn't it and yet strangely complicated because when I think about it I think well well, what, what does that mean how do I unpack that in my life yeah sure love is simple the concept of love relatively simple we're given some guidelines but how do I unpack that in my life and then I start to confuse things I mean of course we're all trying to be more like God aren't we Of course, we're all trying to serve him and follow him and and do what he asks to do. It's so simple, and yet somehow we're not quite sure how to continue to do that. Because A440 doesn't sound like much. It's just one note. Really, really simple. One pure note, one sound, and it's actually almost too simple, uh, surely, just to play a symphony from that one sound on the basis of one note. We try to complicate the simple truth that God is love. God is the alpha. God is the omega. He's the first, he's the last, he's the beginning and he's the end. It's actually quite simple that we just need to not try so hard and to use an old, well-used phrase, let go and let God. It's not as hard as sometimes we try to make it. Sounds without purpose. Building without purpose. Meeting without purpose. Gathering without purpose is just a sound. Coming together on a Sunday and doing church, doing all the right things to kind of feel cool and look cool is just sound. How do we just tune in and chill out? Let's read again. 1 Corinthians thirteen four to 7 It says, "'Love is patient and kind.' Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And my second point this morning is the character of love. We tend to read these uh, verses like a checklist, don't we? Patient. Uh, Next. (laughs) Kind. Well, I just try really hard, but sometimes jealous. Let's just move on. Boastful. No, not this one. I'm the most humble person I know. Proud. Isn't this just self-esteem? Which is fine. We've got to have good self-esteem. Rude. Well, only when it's deserved, and believe me, sometimes it is. Irritable. Anyone else? (laughs) We tend to read it like a list, don't we? Like a checklist. Like if I could get to the end of the day and tick off, oh, I've managed to kind of nail all those things today, then perhaps we're okay with God. Perhaps we're fine. If it was a test, well, guess what? We've all failed. (laughs) i put my hand up first. We we uh, We can't manage it. Well, thank God it's not a test and we're so forgetful, aren't we? Because just in the point before, we talked about that it's not us that it's God. And all we need to do to have those characteristics become a part of our lives is not actually to try to do those things so much, but to tune into God, to tune into A440, and tune into love, and allow Him to reveal those characteristics in us, allow Him to change us on the inside. And we're all learning every day how to do that. Do that. They are not of our own doing, but they are of his doing. They are fruits from him. It's a relief, isn't it? Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, it's not about you. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny how we see that as a negative. Once I went to a counsellor and that was the first thing they said to me. Uh, They said, Alex, it's not about you. And I thought, oh, thanks for that and she went on to explain that we take everything personally don't we but that you know it's not always about us it's about others responses but in this case it's not about you necessarily of course we partner with God of course we have to make choices but as we cleave to that A440 as we cleave to that um, pure sound of love let God be be the one that changes us on the inside, let God be the one that brings the fruit in our lives. We can't do it on our own. We can do some of it, and we can try, but we truly uh, can't truly love without God. Now, I know there's plenty of people on the earth loving without God, and people probably now are listening and saying, "Well, I I, I don't follow Christ." But, but I can love my kids like crazy. I'd die for my kids. But do you know what? The love that's in the world comes from God anyway. That's actually where it originated. Where else do you think that it comes from? And think about that. This is not a checklist to be checked against, it's a list of attributes that God will reveal in us as we draw near to Him. Actually, it's not us, it's Him. Let's read on to the next part. I need to put my tuning fork down before someone loses an eye. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 8. Prophecy and speaking in an un- in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete and even the gift of prophecy rezeal- reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, and when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope and love, and the greatest of these... Is love, and as, as you can see from faith, hope, here, love underpins. You can imagine that case at the bottom there is a brick foundation, if you can. I was going to bring bricks in, but it was just too hard. <laughs> love is the foundation of our faith and our hope. And as we're going into this uh, season of of speaking into faith and speaking uh, of great vision and and with great excitement about what God wants to do in us and through us as a church. Let love underpin and be the foundation of all that we pursue and all that we achieve because nothing else lasts anyway. Our fancy plans, our wonderful buildings, our dreams for tomorrow do not last but one thing does and that's love. Let's be clear, this in no way means that we shouldn't make good plans or that we shouldn't Build wonderful buildings or that we shouldn't dream for tomorrow. In fact, God asks us also to do that. It's good stewardship. It's vision. It's wisdom. It's, it's creating a vehicle to allow vision to flourish. God knows that in order us to make the most of our time on earth, we need those things and that's fine and we need to do that. We need to build. We need to grow. But it doesn't mean that we should just do it without a foundation of love and to keep it in perspective. Faith goes hand in hand with love. And if we don't subscribe to love, we don't subscribe to faith. If we can't love, there's nothing there to support our faith. And if the music team could come and join me, that would be great. The first part of chapter 14 says it all. Above all of these things, above our plans and our buildings, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. What I want to do is actually just spend some time praying and contemplating how love can be our highest goal, how love can be more the foundation of the outworking of what God has called us to do.